then you can complain about that. Or you can complain about politics, because we're going to chat about it again. We've all, all got complaints about politics. So, of course, I'm joined by Sarah Martin, um, John Moore, and Dr Phil Ferguson. Good morning to you all. Morena. Good morning. Morena. <laughs> Jamie. I'm going to turn the, the boys' mics on first. Um, all right. Hey, look, it's summertime. It's summer, and in summer, you know, you get hot, you get sweaty, nothing like a cool, crisp glass of water. Uh, and it's clean, green New Zealand. You can drink straight from the stream. That's like a beer ad uh, from the Year Right campaign from Tui. Um, it's not all it's cracked up to be and we've I mean I can't believe we still don't realize this um, they say that city water is safe other than Christchurch um, and it's water in the regions that's gone to poo-poo um, I use that again so a report has come out what, what exactly has the report said John um, well it's a damning report uh, it says up to 100,000 um, New Zealanders uh, get sick every year from drinking water and um, potentially uh, 7,000 New Zealanders and visitors to New Zealand mm. uh, are accessing water that could make them sick uh, so this was this was a response to um, the crisis, water crisis in Havelock North, and um, a few years ago, where five thousand people got quite sick from the drinking water. So mm-hmm. there's been an inquiry about uh, the state of our water throughout the country, yeah. and uh, so this is an official government report. So it was initiated by the previous national government. Um, and yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a it's a shocking report for a, um, a developed country, a first world country that uh, should have um, that some of the best standards for water quality in the world. Mm. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a damning report and, and embarrassing for a number of people and organisations. Yeah, Sarah, I mean, you know, we we, we live in this green. Uh, clean green nation of ours and uh, we've been able to drink this bore water for many years uh, and I've never really heard of too many people getting sick in the past and now it seems to be happening now more and more um, so you know is this an issue of um, you know intensification uh, within our dairy industry uh, and, and other industries and um, pollu- polluting, our, polluting our water or is it just a natural phenomenon you think? Um, good question. Um, certainly, I think there has been an increase in um, uh, contaminants from as, as you know, part and parcel of the dairy intensification, um, so that there is a lot more bacteria on the surface of the soil that can get washed into our water. And perhaps what this is a result of is, you know, that we have had up until, you know, maybe that clean green. Um, the history of ours has allowed us to be a bit less safe there when it comes to monitoring water quality and mm. keeping a close eye on it. Um, but as our agricultural um, production has intensified, there's been more risks that have, have, have entered the water waterway. So it could be a result of, of that, that we we can no longer be a bit less safe about it all. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, Phil... You lived in Christchurch. You're from Christchurch? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, always, like, like Bosgill, just down the road, always prided yourself on bloody good water. Tasty water, delicious water. Yeah, I mean, I grew up where you turned on the tap and beautiful, fresh, clean water came out and you just, you take it for granted that, mm. you know, that's always going to be the case, you know, very refreshing and so on. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas these days, I mean, I live in Dunedin now, but um, I, I found myself over the past couple of years, I very rarely would drink water out of a tap. 
mm-hmm. I would always bo- I, I boil it in the jug and I let it go cold and then I put it in a cup and put it in the fridge for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, won- I, I, I kind of fret that I haven't boiled it enough. I should boil it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it's partly a reaction to the Christchurch, Christchurch quakes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because you had to um, boil water all the time and you know and um, you had to put uh, chlorine in the water and mm. drink mm. drink water with a wee bit of chlorine in it as well but yes I mean it's, it's very different from when I was I was young and you just took for granted tap water great nice clean water and now you know you can't take that for granted anymore no no and I guess like I mean a lot of things have happened uh, changed in Christchurch um, due to the earthquake I mean directions of under, underwater streams and whatnot changed yeah. and uh, um, going through different areas of rock um, so I mean that that, that caused uh, major problems with the Christchurch water system I'm surprised they haven't actually upgraded to being um, chlorinated I, just, mm, I, I remember Dunedin and uh, 90s Swampy Summit. Didn't have great water. Swampy Summit. Yes, we got it from Swampy Summit. I mean, it was called Swampy Summit, for God's sake. I can't believe it. But uh, ever since it got to Mount, Mount Grad, it's been, uh, a, well, A-class, apparently. But, I mean, I remember times where we had D-quality water uh, from yeah. the standards. Yeah, we had one of the uh, lowest quality water supplies in the country. Mm. 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 And it took a long time to upgrade that system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jardia. And now it's talking about um, E. coli and stuff like that in the water. And, of course, what happened in Havelock North. Mm. But, um, you know... What what has gone wrong? Who who was at fault here? Um, you know, is it local? Is it local councils just you know not paying any attention to it and just thinking oh it's fine and not really keeping up with uh, what's going on? Is it the Department of Health not notifying local councils of all you know of the high rates or? Well, know? there's definitely legislation in place um, regarding uh, local body uh, government and the Ministry of Health to to monitor and, and make sure that drinking water is safe. Mm. Clearly that hasn't happened in a lot of cases here. And the report says it's been systemic failure, uh, that there's, it calls for more regulations, more monitoring of water, and the, um, putting in place centralised bodies uh, that, that can control and monitor the safety of our water. Um, I guess there's gonna, there will be arguments, I imagine, that... Uh, the failures here, the systemic failures that this report has uh, pointed out have come as a result of of those sort of market orientated reforms that we saw in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. where um, we don't where councils, elected um, bodies, democratically elected bodies, don't necessarily have direct control over um, uh, council organisations running the water supply. Uh, so there's almost a, a standoffish uh, approach by local government, which is required to some degree by uh, legislation that uh, uh, government-owned, um, local body-owned entities or uh, bodies that, um, or private companies that have contracts with city councils are pretty much left on their own mm. uh, to run in, in a more corporate way uh, uh, the water supply. Yeah. Uh, so, so the people who are actually elected, who we elect on councils to uh, run our services, uh, don't necessarily have that direct control over the organisations actually running services like water, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, electrical supply, etc., etc. We've seen that. So, yeah, I would imagine that this 
uh, there'll be more and more questions about how uh, local body services are administered and um, and and who c- controls, who runs those services, and it's another dent in that uh, so-called neoliberal ideology mm. that the best way to produ- produce services, even if it's um, services uh, put out by local body government or central government, is to run on a market model where democratically elected representatives don't have direct control or day-to-day input into the running of those services. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. Sarah, f- f- um, so who, what, what should happen here? I mean, uh, obviously, if, if the recommendations are going to be put into place, places like Christchurch are going to have to pay a hell of a lot of money. Uh, you're going to have to chlorinate the water, you're going to have to get new uh, UV filtration systems in place, and there's talk about it costing 100 to $150 million in Christchurch alone. Is, th- is this going to be, do you think, should be left to the, the city councils to pay for, or do you think se- central government should come in uh, here? Because, you know, that's going to um, cripple councils. That's, that's a lot of debt, and you're going to see um, probably quite large rates increases due to this. Well, you know, I, I would personally say that I think water is an essential. It's essential infrastructure. It's essential to our livelihood and our our living, our, our well-being. So, I mean, I'd argue that there's a strong case for um, that that being shared across um, New Zealand. You know, Auckland was it Christchurch, and what was the other major city? Oh, I think Auckland's fine. Auckland's fine. Wellington's fine. Auckland's fine. Wellington's fine. I mean, I think there's a strong case for the, the state stepping in and ensuring the, the health and safety of, of um, citizens wherever mm. they are. So um, I wouldn't like to see that burdened on, on just Christchurch ratepayers. No. And, you know, the, the, the larger we share the bill, the smaller it is. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's essential um, responsibility of the state to ensure that all, all citizens have access to clean drinking water. You know, that's a kind of basic OECD World Health Organization minimus, so I don't think it, it'd be right for the state to step out of that responsibility. Yeah, because there'd be small councils like, you know, Central Otago, um, I'm just thinking of ones around here, you know, Clutha, uh, and other ones that w- would never have the money to, to put on these systems. So, And it seems like uh, the response we've got from the Labour government at the moment is that it's quite reluctant to push through some of the recommendations of this panel. Uh, people such as David Parker, for example, saying that um, a, a mandatory requirement that uh, all councils say um, um, chlorinate their water would be problematic um, and, and very costly. Um, so um, because the, the recommendations of the panel are so strong and, and would involve huge costs and also legislation to centralise the monitoring of, of the water supply, um, I'm, I'm doubtful unless there's a lot of media scrutiny and, and, and public outrage. Um, if there isn't, I, I don't think the government will push through all the recommendations of this panel. Mm. Well, I mean, there's going to be public outrage on the uh, on the other side. And uh, once mm. again, uh, Phil, um, being from Christchurch, um, how do you feel that the people of Christchurch uh, would react to having to chlorinate their water uh, and, and change the way it goes? Because, like we said, they've prided themselves on their clean, beautiful-tasting, crisp water for years. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be reluctant to have the water chlorinated and you know turn on you turn on a tap and you don't get the water that you used to you yeah. get water with a taste of trace of chlorine which and it's is, there uh, yeah yeah and there's no way you can't taste it and it kind of ruins the experience mm. um, yeah i mean i'd be 
kind of reluctant myself, you know, to be turning on a tap and yeah, and, we'll, and tasting chlorine in the water. Could you see this be detrimental to uh, local government, the Christchurch City Council? Do you think that the, the city would revolt uh, against the council if that was the if that was the case? I think there would be quite a, a lot of opposition to, to that, um, and there must be alternatives to to doing that. Mm. You know, like the natural water supply in the in the Christchurch region. It's, you know, it's still there. It's still massive, mm. um, and it's just a matter of of being prepared to spend the money to tap into it without having to add chlorine. I think more people would just end up having to buy water in, in supermarkets because <sighs> bottled water, you know, so nice for the companies that produce that, and nice for the supermarkets, but. You know, a lot of people can't afford to be buying water, and there's no re- reason why in a first world country people should be mm. buying water either. Plus, there's um, there's the packaging, yeah, that mm. you need to worry about as well when it comes to it comes to bottled water. I mean, yeah. the, the panel uh, in regards to Christchurch, it's it's still recommending that uh, water be treated there, mm. uh, chlorinated, and the argument is that. Okay, the water actually being um, pumped out um, from under the ground is fine, but then it's going through um, um, a whole lot of pipes and, and, and systems, which can lead to cross contamination. Mm. So that's the problem. Mm. Uh, there's no guarantee that, although the water underground is clean, once it gets to your tap, there's no yeah. guarantee yeah. that it's actually safe. I've always wondered how gross the pipes were, to be honest. Sometimes glass <laughs> of water, like what's in there? I mean, come on, yeah. those pipes have been down there for years, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, and I understand there's swift water going through all the time. But hey, look, I've seen Dinimo and some pretty swift water waste. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on to um, Donald Trump. Some international affairs. First time in a long time, uh, Donald Trump has declared that Jerusalem will be should be recognised as the capital of Israel by the United States. I've written why a lot of times on this piece of paper. <laughs> like, why, 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 why? Um, but first, I guess we've got to start with why is it controversial? Yeah. So um, Jerusalem, as far as Israel is concerned, is their capital. Uh, so on the face of it, well, why is it controversial? Um, and it goes right back to the founding of the Israeli state, uh, where um, you had two states initially um, after the Second World War. You had an influx of Jewish people, especially from Europe, but also from other parts of the Middle East, where there was high levels of um, anti-Semitism, and, and Jews um, arguably were forced out of other Arab states as well. So uh, there was a huge influx of Jewish people into Israel. There was the founding of an Israeli state, um, which was approved by the UN, and also the founding of a Palestinian state. Now, mm. due to a number of conflicts between Arab states and Israel, uh, the territory of Israel has expanded mm. significantly. Mm-hmm. The territory of Palestinians has shrunk significantly. And um, originally, the idea was that. Jerusalem would be an internationally administered city that would neither be controlled by the Israeli state or by a Palestinian state because of its special uh, religious and and cultural um, significance and history. So it's it's one of the most important centres in the world for all the uh, three Abrahamic religions, Islam, Judaism and um, Christianity. So um, for uh, Judaism, it's got the most important site uh, for the Jewish religion. Uh, for Islam, it's got the third most important uh, mosque, mm-hmm. um, and for Christianity, uh, the whole history of um, um, 
Jesus Christ, whether you believe he existed or not, but um, all the stories about Jesus Christ in Jerusalem as well. So, um, but due to a number of those Arab and Israeli conflicts, um, um, initially Israel occupied West Jerusalem yes. and then took over East Jerusalem. Um, internationally, um, uh, Israel's uh, claim over West Jerusalem is more or less uh, recognised as I understood but no country has recognised the occupation of East Jerusalem which actually has a majority Arab-Palestinian population uh, and no country has up to now has recognised um, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, so Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv yes. uh, is where most countries have their embassies. So this is, this is a major and significant act on the part of Donald Trump and the American government uh, going against the general consensus uh, within the UN and, and uh, around the world uh, and yeah, it could lead to a lot of strife and potentially a lot of violence. Mm, mm, that's right, that's right. Um, mm. Doesn't look um, like the Arab world's going to react too well to this. Um, now, for you, Phil, um, wh why are they doing this? What, what's the point, you know? It, yeah, it, it's an interesting time to be doing it because over the past few years, the Israelis have basically been involved in a program of ethnic cleansing in East Jerusalem. I mean, mm. they're, they're trying to drive the Palestinians out of East Jerusalem and turn Jerusalem into a Jewish-Israeli city. Mm. And... So Trump has decided to make this announcement right at the time that this is this is going this is going on. Um, it's a bit difficult to say how much the decision is just kind of typical of Trump's kind of rogue nature and rogue politics, mm -hmm. and how much it's part of some considered shift in US foreign policy like it seems to me that US foreign policy um, heads are probably not it's it's probably not what the foreign policy establishment wants. I wouldn't imagine. Um, yeah, I think it's what the Trump and his cabal um, want and it may be like you were saying um, when we were talking about it before a way of shoring up his Christian base of support yeah. in the United States. You know, they would like um, Jerusalem to be the to be the capital of Israel and to clear the Arabs out, um, they who, want they, the, yeah. who they see as kind of an infidel intruders. Um, so that that may be an important aspect of it, but it goes against the general grain of the U.S. foreign policy establishment, and of course, it goes against where all Washington's allies are as well, which is tending to be you know more critical yeah. of of Israel and of what the Israelis are doing in the West Bank and in East Jerusalem. Yeah, um, of course, with the evangelical Christian base as well, they want to complete uh, Israel so the apocalypse can come 
uh, <laughs> to wipe us all out and uh, Jesus will come back and um, so basically they just want Israel to be occupied by the Jews so the Jews can all die uh, and uh, we can all go to heaven uh, well, those who believe in, in Jesus um, but what do you think Sarah do you think there's going to be some fallout what are the reactions from um, Arab states in Palestine uh, and uh, what could be you know could this be shoring up um, you know at a, at a time when the Islamic State is uh, starting to falter or has faltered uh, and other um, ter- terrorist organisations have been uh, quietish. Um, do you think this might flare up some more issues um, with um, Yeah, with well them? I mean on a, on a state level um, for many of those Arab states are kind of you know, very intimately bound up with um, America's you know, industrial military complex and mm-hmm. they all benefit from each other so I I suspect on a state level we won't see much action. I mean, there may be some tokenistic words, but, you know, Saudi Arabia, for instance, yeah. is not going to do anything that would rock the boat with its cosy relationship with the United States. Um, I can't see anything happening on a state level. The, as you say, the Western liberal democracies will also express possibly in muted terms their unhappiness with it, but... Um, uh, they're unlikely to do anything significant either because um, they're pretty, you know, pretty complacent when it comes to um, the Israel's foreign activity and Israel's activities and, and United States foreign activities. Um, you're right; it could possibly lead to um, more acts of terrorism. Um, you know, it, it's difficult to say. I mean, the Palestinian people are pretty powerless, really, on a on a world stage. Yeah. I, I I think one of the things that will that may well happen is the development of a new intifada. I see that Hamas is actually yeah. calling for a new for a new uh, intifada. Um, one of the things about the Palestinians is the Palestinians are amongst the most secular of you know the populations and of the Arab populations, and so I don't see groups like ISIS getting any kind of traction out of it. Also, ISIS has been quite hostile to Palestine to Palestinians. Like they've attacked Palestinian refugee camps, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and so on. It may provide more support for Hamas and more support for, on the at the same time for the more radical secular. Palestinian groups like the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is a left-wing secular um, uh, current, it's probably the second biggest one force on the Palestinian population on the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sarah's right. I mean, internationally, the Palestinians don't have a lot of clout. I mean, that's one of the kind of tragedies of the Palestinians is that they've got so many people fighting them at the front and so many people stabbing them in the back. Um, at the at the same time, but I think they will not. The Palestinian population won't take this lying down, and I guess no. yeah, the only thing that they can do is have another intifada. Yeah, another. It would be good to see New Zealand, you know, um, having the courage to take an independent stance on this. And um, actually, you know, we we often pride ourselves on our independent foreign policy stance. It would be good for, to see us follow through on that. I mean, especially the Labour Party, the Labour government, um, which often does trumpet um, independence. It would be good for the Labour Party, a Labour-led government, to um, be a little bit more staunch on this issue and, um, you know, actively condemn what the United States is doing. Well, unfortunately, the, the, 
the signs are the other way with this. They're going to yeah. condemn National for being too too kind of progressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I think the hope in terms of the New Zealand government is if there's going to be any um, hope there, it would have to come from the Greens, you know, and this is something mm. that, that the Greens could differentiate themselves on and leap up and down a bit. But basically, you know, people in New Zealand really do need to wake up um, and, you know, we need something like the old anti-apartheid movement in yeah. relation to South Africa, you know. We had the biggest anti-apartheid movement in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside South Africa itself, obviously. Yeah. And we need something like that to rally around um, the the Palestinians and, and oppose... I mean, daily life of Palestinians on the West Bank is just absolutely <sighs> horrendous. And mm. in Gaza, Gaza as well. Yeah. Gaza's just one big... <laughs> prison camp, yeah. you know, being beaten into submission by, by Israel, while the Israelis a, against true. international law, completely against international law, but with no repercussions whatsoever are taking over the West Bank and they're making a, a two-state solution mm. absolutely impossible. I mean, I'm not a two-stater anyway, I'm a one-stater, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with you there. <laughs> um, you know, hey, look, they need more room for their olive groves, right? <laughs> Far yeah. out. Um, yeah, I mean, don't even get me started on uh, the settlers. Uh, and settlements is just... It's it's shocking. But, I mean, um, just quickly, because it's almost time to go, I mean, you, you see just yesterday an announcement from the US government saying we might not go to the Winter Olympics because it's dangerous and you know people might target US athletes and, but this is the exact reason why you get the provocation of, yeah. uh, of North, North Korea uh, you know no one's just letting him just run off at the mouth just let Kim Jong-un run off at the mouth he doesn't mean a word he's but he's saying he just yeah. wants people to leave him the hell alone so just leave him alone uh, <laughs> you know it, and, and now you're gonna uh, do this you're making these provocative moves um, that are really pissing people off, and then you go, oh shit, it's dangerous out there to be an American. Well, I wonder, bloody, bloody why? Yeah. Yeah, but this just feeds into his. It's all. It must all be about domestic politics, right? It's yeah. about shoring up his, his yeah. support, creating the sense of crisis and fear out there, which which you know creates um, builds support for these kind of isolationist, hardline. Mm totalitarian responses to immigrants and refugees and you know I, I do think a lot of what it is about is about him shoring up his power and you know he is he is seen to be failing in so many ways he's got to do stuff that that shows him to be a strong man mm. and that um builds that rhetoric and that discourse of fear and 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 hate yeah he's just like an old time he's just like an old-timey preacher in a tent preaching to, yeah. to you know you're going to go to hell you better listen to what I say yeah. it's hell out there uh, right we're going to have to leave it there thank you so much uh, as always uh, Sarah and Phil John's already run off he's got a conference to attend so um, thank you to John in his absence um, have you said oh but that's it by the way sorry I, I've Oh, actually, I might, we might, no, we'll do it again next week. I've got the best of Next week's, if you don't know Sarah, you don't know, uh, next week's our last day on air for the year, uh, next Friday. Uh, and yeah, I, I was, knock off early down there, eh? Yeah, oh, we do, that's right. And I was humming <laughs> and harring about whether we're not going to do politics because we're going to do a best of 2017, but maybe we could do best of 2017 uh, political-wise as well. So we'll try and organise that. I think that's actually pro- probably a pretty good idea. Mm. Um, yeah. So we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, thank you Phil. Great. Have a no. wonderful day. Don't, don't get too Bye. sunburnt. Uh, and we'll talk <laughs> soon. <laughs> Cheers, mate.